This is Chris. Welcome to episode 324 of X Lapsed, where uh, I guess we're, we're kind of, sort of kind of, taking a step off the beaten path today to uh, take a look at a tie-in to the Death of Doctor Strange storyline that um, I think is over at this point, but um, this is one of those books where DCBS never acknowledged that I ordered it, <laughs> so it's just like kind of sitting in my, hey, maybe we'll fill this one, maybe we won't pile. Over at uh, over in Indiana, so so I very much doubt they're ever going to send this one out. I'll probably get an email in May saying that my order for this one's been canceled because uh, Marvel never sent it to them in there. They never got a they never got their backup copies, even though like there are still literally like dozens of uh, copies of this issue in every single comic shop in my area. But that's kind of the way things go sometimes. Uh, so I actually had to go out and buy this one. Not that it's some earth-shattering story or really anything we'll ever mention again, probably, but uh, I just didn't want to miss out. I didn't want to present this one, like, after I get that email in May. You know, I wanted to get it sort of out there in a timely fashion. And also, I, you know, whenever I miss a book, or whenever DCBS doesn't send me a book, I'm always a little concerned that I'm going to get stuck with a damn variant cover. I've talked about this before. I, I will try not to rail on as much as I usually do, but... If it's like nowadays, if you don't go to the comic shop the week of, you're almost guaranteed that you're going to get a variant cover that nobody wants because people don't want the damn variant covers. I don't know why we still have them in such abundance, but they're all that's left. If you look at a at a recent year uh, back issue bin, it's all variants. The real covers are always gone, so I didn't want to get stuck with a variant. That's assuming that this one, you know, had a variant or two, which it most likely did. I. I probably could have checked, but I but I didn't. <laughs> um, anyway, let's get into it today. This is the Death of Doctor Strange, X-Men Black Knight number one. March 2022 cover date, written by Cy Spurrier, Art Bob Quinn. So this is our uh, Way of X team, so that's a, that's a damn good thing. Colors, Israel Silva. Letters, VCs, Corey Petit. Edits, Groneman and Sabolski. Wow, just one editor and the chief. That's a... Uh, I don't think we've ever had a book on this show that's only had one editor plus the chief, so... Huh. Uh, cover price, $5. This one went on sale January 19th of 2022. So let's get on into the book here. And, and you guys would, would have absolutely no way of knowing this, but uh, I've had to record this several times over. Um, you ever wake up and, uh, like, one of your eyes is totally out of focus? No matter what you do, you can't get it back into focus? That's kind of where I'm at right now, so, like, the lines on my, uh, my dock here <laughs> are, like... All over the place. Uh, my left eye is, I don't know, it's just, it's not coming in clear. So I'm doing a lot of this with one eye shut, so uh, so the words on my screen actually make sense. And I've upped my typeface from its usual 12 point to uh, 16 point, just so I can see the damn thing. 
Anyway, let's get in. We open with the X-Men in London, where they're doing some generic superhero sort of stuff. Uh, looks like they're fighting over zombies, which, sure, why not? Just then, Dane Whitman, while sat in his Mobius chair, or I guess the Ebon Siege is what they're calling it, he becomes aware that Doctor Strange is dead. Now, he reaches out to S.W.O.R.D., which isn't to say he reaches out to Abigail Brand and her crew. This is actually a code name or handle that he's given to his daughter, Jackie Jax Chopra. And he's given himself the handle Siege, um, probably more a reference to the Ebon Siege and not the awful Bendis cross event from uh, ten years ago. Now, Jax doesn't seem to dig this relationship all that much at the moment, and she feels as though her dad is holding her back. And Dane pretty much cops to it. He says he doesn't believe she's ready for all this. This will actually be her first outing as the Black Knight. And we'll talk a little bit more about that in a bit. Now, the thing of the death of Doctor Strangeness of this is, uh, while the X-Men were doing whatever it was they were doing in London, the entire place is transformed and taken over by something called the Hungry Land and a nether demon called Necromon. And I, I was sure I was going to butcher that name because... Uh, Right now, the N's and the M's are kind of jumping all over the screen. Uh, anyway, it's about to get otherworldly, um, and for that, I apologize. Uh, but first, what the hell is a Necromon? Well, that's a good question, because it's a character who, up until this very issue, has never appeared in a non-UK comic. Now, Necromon first appeared in Hulk comic from the UK, number 42, December 1979 cover date. And this is back in the day where, like, Captain Britain and the Black Knight seemed to team up with a fair amount of regularity. We, we looked at a little bit of that stuff in our X-Lapsed Origin series uh, over on the blog, which a lot of that took place, like, after one of the uh, more seminal meetings or team-ups between the two characters. Now, anyway, Necromon is a nether god, and the story of his first appearance is all twisted up in Merlin, King Arthur, and Mordred stuff. So, uh, if you're already starting to glaze over, uh, uh, welcome to the club. Now, that story wrapped up with the Black Knight and King Arthur teaming up to beat back the beast here. Necromon actually managed to destroy Camelot as its final act, and a fella or a proud walker named Vortigan, or King Vortigan, vowed to rebuild. And uh, I'm sure we know that Camelot's been rebuilt uh, probably a few times. Now, that storyline ended in uh, Hulk comic number 63, cover dated May 1980, and that was actually the last time that Necromon would appear. Now, he would be mentioned in passing in Marvel Superheroes number 383, March 1982 cover, which is something we covered at the blog as part of the X-Lapsed Origins series. But, from 1982 till 2022, that's it. 40 years of nothing for poor Necromon. So, what are the Hungry Lands here? Well, this is the first appearance of the Hungry Land, and it's apparently, and unfortunately, a splinter of Otherworld. Now, the story goes that when King Arthur removed Excalibur from the Star Stone, this hungry land appeared over Camelot. Merlin would create a barrier in order to hold it at bay and not, you know, take over, but that barrier was destroyed with the death of Doctor Strange. Does that make sense? Uh, kinda. I mean, that's kind of the gimmick we're going with here in all of the Death of Doctor Strange tie-ins, where it's made pretty clear that uh, Stephen Strange has been... Uh, maintaining the balance of, uh, of the Marvel Universe, the Marvel Earth here, and keeping things at bay. And without him there, well, stuff's beginning to encroach. Now, the issue itself that we're looking at right now does retell this bit, you know, Arthur yoinking the sword, Merlin casting the spell, and of course the barrier going away. From here, we go to our single-page spread of ketchup, roll call, and cred. 
Our characters include Cyclops, Jean Grey, Sunfire, Sink, Polaris, Wolverine, that's X-23, Rogue, Dane, and Jax. So, uh, Doctor Strange is dead. And, of course, with his passing, the, you know, Marvel Earth lost its magical barriers. Weird stuff's creeping in. We did cover another Death of Doctor Strange tie-in over in Weblapsed. So, if anybody's interested in hearing about Ben Riley and the Black Cat trying to do some Doctor Strange stuff... Well, you could check that out in the archives. Now, of course, the Death of Doctor Strange story is over and has been for a few weeks now. As a matter of fact, as of this recording yesterday, I uh, went and I bought Strange Number 1 at uh, the comic shop. And um, I didn't have much interest in it. It's just that, uh, I, I kind of alluded to this a little bit ago, if you don't get a Marvel book like the week it comes out, you're stuck with a damn variant. Especially with the Number 1. It's like we have this weird... Um, like manufactured scarcity with the number ones nowadays. Uh, maybe it has been for a while. I just haven't been paying attention. But uh, I actually talked to the guy at the comic shop uh, yesterday, talking about the number ones and stuff. And he mentioned how people there are people who still only come in to buy the number ones, and they'll usually buy a few copies of it. Which I guess it's uh, it's 1993 already. So yeah, I popped into the shop. I was uh, I was getting a haircut down the road, so I figured I'd pop in. I was actually there uh, looking for a few issues of Uncanny Avengers Volume 3. I'm preparing for the Essential X-Lapsed episodes 5,312 at this point. So uh, I was picking those up. Those are ones I dropped. And I walked past the new release shelf, and I'm like, oh, strange number one. It's it's not the variant. So I figured, what the hell. I'm not sure if I'll ever get around to reading it, but if I ever want to, hey, it's there. So back to our recap page here. If you haven't been following you know, the recent goings-on with Black Knight... Well, join the club. Um, it looks like Dane Whitman has a long-lost daughter who appears to be, like, like maybe, like, five years younger than him. Anyway, now, she also suffers from the Curse of the Ebony Blade, or whatever that is. So they're both going to be the Black Knight, but only one at a time. And it kind of, sort of, kind of reminds me of, like, the Firestorm Matrix, or maybe the Captain Marvel-Rick Jones relationship might be more accurate where they're in, like, constant, often bickery contact, but uh, there's only one of them, like, active at a time. Anyway, we rejoin Jax as the Hungry Lands appear over London, and we see that the X-Men have been transformed into, like, beasts or demons or something like that. Then Dr. Faiza Hussein shows up. Now, who's that? Well, she was an agent of MI-13 who first appeared in Captain Britain and MI-13, number one, July 2008 cover date, uh, to make things... I don't know, a little bit more confusing. Uh, she would take the code name Excalibur. So we've got Excalibur the team, the person, and of course, the sword. So Fiza and Jax work together to try to bring the X-Men back to normal-ish. Now it's worth noting here that Jax is in full Black Knight armor, helmet included. So it's not immediately clear to anyone that they're not dealing with Dane Whitman. From here we go to an info page, sorta. Uh, it's a two-page spread of text written to look like old parchment which retells the X-Men's new post-Hungry Land transformation origins. So we basically get new names for the characters. Jean Grey is the Crimson Countess. Cyclops is the Cockatrice Knight. Polaris is the Iron Priestess. Sunfire is the High Lord Lambert. X-23 is Razor Wolf. And Rogue and Sink are the Twins Ravenous. And of course there's Necronom... Necro... Yeah, there we go, I screwed up the name. Necroman, the Nether King. Back to comics, and well, uh, they fight. For like ever um, I mean it's very pretty to look at It is Bob Quinn And Bob Quinn is wonderful But as far as stakes go They're, they're really It they doesn't feel like there are any 
Now Dane figures out, or at least shares, that the star stone from which Excalibur was mewinked was like... Like the darkness or evilness that counterbalanced the holy sword, so it's like... I guess it's like an equilibrium sort of a situation, if I'm, if I'm understanding it right, which I very well might not be. And also, this might be some old information, but I haven't the foggiest. Anyway, the thing is, the Star Stone was slagged down and reforged into the ebony items that the Black Knight wears and wields. Now, this gives Jax and Dane, and I swear I've had to record this line a few times because I keep wanting to say Jack and Diane, but uh, Jax and Dane, this gives them an idea. But it'll have to wait just a minute, because first... We gotta fix the X-Men. Now, Jax realizes that she and Hussein have been unaffected by all this hungry land hoodoo, and since Jax is a big-time X-Men fan, uh, she claims to have been a member of the X-Fanatics fan club since she was nine. I don't know if this is like, is this a Gwenpool situation? Like, where she's from a different world where the X-Men were comic book characters, and she knows things about them? I don't know. I don't know. I mean, it would explain the very slight age difference between her and her father, but uh, I don't know. I really don't know. Anyway, as I was saying, Jax is a big X fan, and so she knows that Rogue and Sink's powers might be of use right now. Because you see, if they were able to copy Jax and Hussein's immunity to this whatever the hell's going on, they might just come back to normal. And well, in fact, that's exactly what happens. Then, in a single panel, Rogue gets more dialogue than she's had in the entirety of X-Men Volume 6, so... There you go. Uh, Rogue then uses her powers to borrow some of Jean's telepathy, and then the X-Men are brought back to normal. It's worth noting here that Dane mentions how well the X-Men work together, which is probably an unsubtle way to compare how dysfunctional he and Jax are when it comes to working as a unit. Okay, so with that out of the way, let's get to the great plan to stop Necromon. Now, if you remember, this whole thing started when Excalibur was yanked out of the Star Stone. So we've got Hussein, a.k.a. Excalibur, who, as luck would have it, is also wielding Excalibur, who thankfully is not a member of Excalibur. Well, she's about to run the blade into this demon. But then, Jax, who is wearing the ebony items, which were reforged out of the Star Stone itself, jumps in the way and gets the blade plunged through her chest. This doesn't kill her, but instead it mimics Excalibur being returned to its rightful place, thus somehow ending the Hungry Lands from being a thing. Now, when the dust settles, London is back to normal, and Jax is left walking around with a great big sword sticking out of her bosom. The X-Men thank the ladies for the assist and leave. And again, uh, Jax is literally walking around with a sword sticking out of her chest. That's kind of weird. Anyway, we stick with the X-Men, and it's here that we learn that the X-Men realized something during this little visit. And what they learned was that Jax is a mutant. And that's where we leave it. To be continued... Possibly never. Anyway, next episode is the big 325, and uh, we're finally going to be taking a look at Black Panther number 3, which is another book like uh, Sabretooth that got pushed back a couple of months. I, maybe it was due to the uh, supply chain stuff. Maybe, maybe it just wasn't ready to come out yet. But uh, in any event, we'll be chatting that one up next time. But for now, let's talk about, uh, about this one shot, which... Right off the bat, it was well told, it was clever, and it was gorgeous to look at. But, I mean, you guys know me already. This sort of story is not my cup of tea. Uh, I feel like if you're buying or reading this simply because you're an X-Men completionist, you might be, well, you might be totally, completely lost. Now, if you're reading it away from your, you know, from your laptop or your phone or your whatever Google machine you have, you'll likely be even more lost. 
Because, I mean, at least I was able to do a bit of research while I jotted down my notes. And that's not ideal for, like, a passive piece of entertainment that you'll, you know, you'll read in five, ten minutes and then just be done with. Now, of course, I am a fake-ass comics historian and a pretty big lore guy, so I appreciate these deep dives and these looks into obscure Marvel history. But, A, I'm a weird dude. B, I'm actually willing to put in the work to try to get, like, a better understanding of what it is we're looking at. And C, well, not everybody's like that. Which is probably a good thing for everyone's mental health that they're not like that, but, um... I just don't know how much of an appreciation you'd get out of a story like this without all of the context. Now let's bring this around to the ex-lapsedness of, uh, of this issue. Um, the X-Men's inclusion here was almost completely unnecessary. I mean, if we were to take out the very last panel where it's revealed that Jax is a mutant, you pretty much could have replaced the X-Men with any, any heroes in the Marvel Universe. It could have been Inhumans, it could have been Eternals, it could have been the Fantastic Four, it could have been friggin' Alpha Flight or Big Hero 6. It wouldn't matter outside of that last panel. Because, I mean, at the end of the day, this really, more than anything, read as a pitch for a follow-up Black Knight miniseries. Will we ever see it? Well, I don't know. I don't know how well the first one sold, the one from uh, earlier, or I guess last year it was, the Curse of the Ebony, whatever the hell it was. Um, And, you know, via the magic of, uh, well, pausing a recording, I guess we could say it's time traveling in a way, I actually did the research here to see how the Black Knight miniseries uh, sold last time out. And for the first three issues of it, we do not have uh, numbers on on the shipped amount here. We do have rankings, like where they came in the top 300 or whatever. But if you remember, you know, our uh, sales figure discussions from last year, no, it was a little wonky. Uh, We weren't getting the amount of issues that were actually shipped, or the amount of copies, I should say. So issue one was the 27th highest shipped book, which is surprisingly high. Uh, number two was the 92nd highest ship book, which is pretty much more like it, more what I expected. Number three dipped down to 108th, and with issue four, we actually get the shipped figures here. Uh, now, issue four was the 170th highest shipped book, with uh, 16,005 copies hitting the racks. And we wrap up with issue five, which went up a little bit. It's the 161st highest shipped book. And this one shipped 16,308 copies. So after a fairly respectable start, um, actually a a surprisingly good start, it wasn't exactly lighting up the charts at the end of its run here. I suppose we'll wait a couple of months and see how how this issue winds up. Maybe maybe this one will get a boost. I'm sure it'll do better than the last few issues of the uh, miniseries, but uh, we'll find out when we get there. Perhaps, you know, the Jax is a mutant thing will be followed up in a run of X-Men Unlimited. You never know. I mean, that seems to be where follow-up miniseries seem to wind up. I mean, the follow-up to the uh, Niciasa Juggernaut miniseries. Maybe it'll be something like that. I mean, I'm basically just spitballing here. But let's wrap up the discussion here. Um, Overall, eh, what can I say? It's a mostly unnecessary tie-in to another story that was about 85% comprised of unnecessary tie-ins. I will say the story was clever. The art was amazing. It's just that its trappings uh, weren't all that interesting to me personally. This is a big, you know, Chris problem sort of a thing. That isn't to say I didn't enjoy it, because I did. I mean, this was better than most excursions into, you know, the fringes of Otherworld. But uh, still, it's Otherworld, and, um, well, you guys know me. It's not <laughs> not my favorite place to be. 
Uh, I suppose this will be a pretty big uh, your mileage may vary sort of book, and there's nothing wrong with that. And of course, I would love to hear your thoughts on this issue. If you'd like to reach out and chat up this issue or any issue or pretty much anything, I would encourage you slash beg you to do so. You could find me several different ways. I'm on Twitter at Ace Comics, Instagram 90s X-Men, email weirdcomicshistory at gmail.com, voicemail 623-396-JERK, uh, blog post, show notes, chrisisoninfiniteearths.com, Facebook 90s X-Men. Uh, the audio archives are available, well, pretty much where you're listening right now and anywhere that you find things to listen to on the internet. And finally, there is the Patreon. That is patreon.com slash xlapsed. Uh, got some stuff in the works there. It's been a little slow going, and I, I do want to apologize to all the wonderful supporters over there for the lack of uh, stuff going on over there. It's been it's been weird getting into uh, the old normal routine after uh, some you know pretty earth-shaking stuff happened at the home front. And also uh, just... Uh, trying to refocus my attentions uh, where they where they need to be at the moment. But your patience and your support means the absolute world to me, so thank you all so much. And on that note, I would like to thank you all just as much for choosing to share a little bit of your day with me today. I honestly can't put into words what that means to me, so thank you very, very much. And uh, until next time, as always, I'll talk to you again real soon. See ya.